And I love these. Man, I love these. One day I'll get to eat at the master's table. Amen. You know, and I love a beautiful, sunshiny day. But one day I'm going to a place where the Lord is like. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I may not be able to sing this song because I ain't done it in a long time, but Lord, just pray for me, y'all.
anybody wants to go to children's church, that is, was that fifth grade and under, they are more than welcome to come right this way. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go You're going to take them? Take care of them. Good to have a, his children going back to his children. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure. Uh, and then I got something else going on right here. What I do here? This is the. Yes, sir. All right, hit that mute button. See what it's doing. Oh. Have I got? You got me, Chris? But this is something. No, 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 we got it better together than this. We just got all this fixed this week. So. Okay. We good? We're good. All right. So I'm sure this is going to go well. Uh, well, good morning again. Uh, glad you're here. We'll be in uh, John chapter 13 today. John chapter 13. Let me get all this out of the way. John chapter 13 today. You know, the Bible tells us that there are three that bears witness in the earth, the water and the blood and the spirit and I'm going to kind of talk about that. I think that's the way the Lord's going to lead us. Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about the water today. And I couldn't help but look at this. Uh, we talked last week a little bit about uh, the Lord wanting to give him all of himself to you and wondering about you and, and how you would respond and react to that. And as Chris was singing, love lifted me. And in the second course of that, it says, all of my heart I give you, Lord. All to you I cling. In his blessed presence, I'll ever live. In his praises, I'll ever sing because of his love. Love lifted me. All of it, he says. All of it, he says. And you know what? He wants to give all of himself to you today. John chapter 13, Jesus uh, is heading to the cross, and uh, he knows his time is near, as we'll look at that in the scriptures. And uh, before we get started, we'll... Uh, we'll look at John chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Uh, now before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, and the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, now knowing the Father had given him all things into his hands, that he was to come from God, and he went to God. Uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you. We thank you. Uh, Lord, truly, you're welcome here today. Holy Spirit, your presence and your power is much needed here today, Lord, that we would ever be changed, Lord, that our lives would ever be altered uh, to be conformed into the image and likeness of your dear Son. Holy Spirit, I pray that you have your way with this service, that you have your way with, with your servants, Lord, and, Lord, that we would follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, Lord, as we look to you, uh, Lord, we know that that you're giving all of yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we reach out and receive that. And I ask that in Jesus' name today. Amen. 
You know, the Bible says that here in one chapter 13, 1 through 3, that Jesus knew he's on his way to the cross. He knew that his hour had come. He knew all what was ahead of him. He knew that his time had come. In verse 1, his hour had come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. He says, and, and so I wrote down wondering today. If you're, you know, Jesus wasn't wondering what his mission was. He wasn't wondering where he was headed. He said, I'm going to the cross. He had told his disciples earlier he was going uh, to the cross. Knowing his time was at hand, he wondered no more the direction of his life. And he wondered no more about the will of the Father for the will of the Son. And he wondered no more about the will of the Son for the will of you. He noted he wondered no more about that either. He knew the cross was prepared. He knew the cross was closed. His body had previously, in John 11, his body had already been anointed. He knew what he was facing. He knew that in, a, in 24 hours or so, he would be on the cross. He knew that. Now listen to what it says. And before the feast of the Passover, he knew his hour had come. If you knew your hour had come, listen to what your Lord and Savior does. He says, I know I'm headed there to the cross. I know what's coming. I know without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. I know without a sacrifice, there's no shedding. Without no shedding, there's no forgiveness. Without no cross, there's no redemption. Without a Christ, there's no cross, there's no redemption. And then he looks over and he says, and he's, Looks at the con he looks at his friends. The Bible says. The Bible says that he turned and he looked at them. And supper being entered, he looked at one whom the devil had entered into his heart. And then he looked at eleven that he loved. He looked at twelve that he loved. He looked at twelve that he loved. The devil, even entering into the heart of Judas, the Bible says. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved all of them. Amen. He loved all of them to the end, the Bible says. Jesus wasn't wondering why he was here, where he was headed, where he was going. He wasn't wondering why he was going. Let me ask you today. If your time was at hand, do you wonder where you would go? Yeah. Do you wonder where you're headed? Do you wonder if something happened to you where you would end up? Wonder no more. For today is the day that all that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no other way, no other Savior, no other hope than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ came, rose from the dead, and ever lives, and can forgive you and take away all of your sins, you are saved, the Bible says. There's no other Savior no other name given unto men by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus clears that all up for us. So if you've ever wondered, is there many ways? There's many ways to him, but there's only one way to him. There's only one way to him, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Wonder no more. And if you ever wondered how much he loves you, and how much he wants you, and how much he needs you, and how much he wants to wrap his arms around you and just be a part of your life. 
He's headed to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And he stops and he focuses on his friends and family. How much does he love you? He sent his only begotten son into this world to take your place, your sin, your guilt, and your shame. And he took it to the cross. I want to tell you something. If, if he's given himself for you, there's nothing. That's the most valuable thing that you have. If you give yourself to someone, that's why marriages work. That's why, that's why uh, relationships work. That's why commitments work. Because when you give yourself to something, you give them all you got. You give them the most valuable part of you. You take my money. You take my car. You take my home. You take my land. But when you take me, you get the most valuable part of me. I can replace the house. I can replace the car. I can replace the money. But I can't replace this. Made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. He looked at me, formed and fashioned me, and said, it is good. I love him. This is where I want him. This is what I want him to do. And I come to know him, and I begin to serve him. And begin to love him. What would he cost? What do you cost? His son. How valuable are you? Extremely. Extremely. The most valuable thing in the world to him. He didn't die for creation. He died for you. He didn't die for a car. He died for you. He loves you. You ever wonder what he'll do? There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. There's nothing he wouldn't give you. Nothing he don't want to for you to have. Even with an enemy sitting there. And I don't want you to ever get this wrong. Just because you're in the presence of the Lord doesn't mean that you're not also in the presence of an enemy. He's sitting in a room with 12 of his friends, close friends. It's one of the most intimate parts of, the, of his journey to the cross. He's in a safe, secluded place, and he's looking at his family with love, and he's in the midst of friends and an enemy. Three people in the room. God, four people. God, his friends, a betrayer, and an enemy. Because I want to tell you now, we're not fighting flesh and blood. His principalities and powers. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Judas, give the enemy a foothold in his life. Judas had given him a foothold. He had given him a foothold. And he knew in verse 3, all power had been given to him. All throngs, all authority, all things. How valuable are you? And at this point, Jesus had knew that the Father had given him all power, all authority, and all things over all things. And he turned around and he washes your feet. Washes your feet. Had all had everything in the world, everything he ever wanted. Everything he ever needed. The Father had given him, uh, the Father given him all things. When God gives you everything, you got everything. And He wants you. He wants me. Do you wonder today what He wants? He wants you to have all of Him. And He wants to have all of you. 
That's what he wants. Are you unsure of his love for you? Don't be. He's in his son. Is he unsure? The question is not, are you unsure of his love for you? The question now becomes, is he unsure of your love for him? Wonder no more. Stop wondering today. Just asking. And the reason I'm asking, do you know him in that way today, is because you never know who's sitting in the room. Judas, Peter, what did he tell Peter? When you're converted, you're going to do some great things. You never know who's in the room, who's sitting in the home, church family. You never know who's sitting in the office, who comes in for an appointment and needs some help. You never know whose heart ain't right. Because much like verse 2 here, and supper being ended, and the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, do you realize that you can be called, chosen, and still be a devil? That you can be deceived, that the enemy is the master of deception? Oh, the enemy can show up in many different ways. But I want to tell you this. My Savior can show up in many different ways, too. And my God, all authority, power, and all things are given to him. So just because an enemy shows up one way doesn't mean that my Savior ain't done made a way of escape. It don't mean that my Savior ain't uh, done overcome so you can be of good cheer. It don't mean that when sadness comes that my Savior ain't going to give you some peace. That when uh, sin was great, that grace wasn't greater. That where sin abounded, Grace much more did abound. My Savior is a strong Savior. He's a kind Savior. He's the King of all. All things are in His hand, and the enemy is under His footstool. He's over all things. He's all power, all authoritative. That's who He is. And the enemy's got us thinking He's as powerful as the Lord. God forbid. Our Savior shows up in all kind of ways. And when He says all of me, he means all of him. All of him. He's here as a sacrifice. Now before the feast of Passover, there's Jesus. He's here as a sacrifice. He knew his time was at hand. He knew what was at stake. He knew that he was giving his life for your life. He knew all of this. He knew he was taking your place. My sins for your righteousness. My rags for your robe. My crown for your crown. My life. Your life for my life. He come as the son. The Bible says, And Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart of this world unto the Father. <clears throat> nothing like a son or a daughter. Ain't nothing closer to the Father's heart than a son and a daughter. The spouse, absolutely. Himself, absolutely. But they just something about them kids and make you do a little bit more, make you have a little more understanding, a little more compassion, a little more love. It'll make you, I'll tell you what, your kids make your spouse ask you, why did you do that? Well, she asked. <laughs> they, he asked. 
There's just something about the sons that pull the daddy's heartstrings. And there ain't nothing like a good daddy. Amen. That's your ain't. A mama's bound and connected. <coughs> but a good daddy, I'm telling you what, statistics show that a good father in the home makes the home very, very successful. I forget the statistic. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's way up there. Anyway, I should have had that ready. He comes as a friend. Not only as a son, he is the son of God. He comes as a friend. For though he's headed to the cross, always loves you and always will. He looks at this, these 12 in this room, even after the enemy was in front of him. And he found time for them. He wasn't tying loose ends. He wasn't closing deals, packing bags. He wasn't uh, doing anything, getting ready for his trip home. He was focused on his family and his friends. In another passage, it says they were lobbying for a position on who would sit at the right hand and his left hand. Who would be there? Who would who would get to sit at the table with him? As Brother Chris brought, brought out, we'll all be at the table. But that position is not mine to give, he says. That position belongs to the Father. <coughs> but I can tell you where you're going to be if you're in him. The Bible says that we're seated at his right hand and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. We are in him. We are in Christ Jesus. We are not in the courtroom setting wondering if we're guilty. We're up by the judge saying he's not guilty. He's my son. Join heir with Christ. So they were lobbying for the position. But here they are all in the room. And they're all thinking the same thing. What is that? What's the, what is this? Much like y'all maybe were thinking there at first. What is, what is this? And you know what else they're thinking? Let's just go ahead and go on into the service here again. Uh, verse 3, and Jesus, knowing the Father, had given him all things into the hands that he was come from God and went to God. Jesus raised from the supper table. He laid his garment aside. He took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. If Jesus raises up, if Jesus thinks of you, more than he thinks of himself, or as, as much as he thinks of himself. If Jesus raises up and takes some things off and has to put some things on to get ready to serve, what makes us think that we're any different? That, that there's some things in our life when our ministry calls, when our Savior calls, when it comes down to it, there's some things in your life that you got to take off and put on the garment of praise, put on a, a, a garment of, of service, put on a garment of ministry. 
The Bible says that he laid aside his majesty and was found and formed in the fashion of man so that he could be like you, so that you could be obedient like he was obedient. Now, he was obedient even until the death of the cross. He's not asking you to go to the die on the cross for me. He's asking you to follow him. And he says there's some things uh, that don't look like him if you're following him. So sometimes you got to get up, gird up your loins, and take off some things to put on some things. If not, you're going to look like the guy on the Christmas story that's walking to school. That's got so many clothes on, he can't even hardly walk. He doesn't even function. He can't even do it right. And then you get, you know, it just don't work right. It helps when he's getting beat up, but it don't help him when he's trying to run away. Our enemy don't, he wants to beat you up, but he, the Lord's not piling it on, padding you up and getting you ready for the fight. Susan gets you ready for the fight. The Lord wants you prepared. Here, take this off and put this on. Put on the helmet, the breastplate, the sandals of peace, heart of salvation. Even if you're not in a battle for yourself, you may be in a battle for someone else. As we'll see in a minute, Peter, I'm not doing this for you. But there is a devil among you who needs to see what I'm doing so that he'll see what he's missing. And you know what? If he still don't get it, that's on him. Getting ahead of myself. What's that all about? What's that? Who's gonna who's gonna get the basin? That's probably what they're all at this point wondering now. Who's gonna get the basin? And who's gonna get the towel? Well, it's sitting by Jeff. Surely he'll get it. Surely Andrew will do it. You know, uh, he has a tendency to run around and say, "Hey, do you know Jesus?" Hey, do you know Jesus? Or, or what about Nathaniel? In him, there's no guile, no better person to wash somebody's feet than somebody that's clean. What about Nathaniel? Or Thomas? Or Peter? He's always in the spotlight. Won't Peter jump up and grab it this time? He, he jumps first every other time. Or old John. Yeah, good luck getting him. Out of out of Jesus's lap, he, he uh, he's not there like Santa Claus. He just he loves all up in Jesus. You ain't gonna pry him out of, out of his cold dead hands. You'll pry old John out of his. And everyone's seeing a need, and nobody's responding. As they look around the room, there's a basin and a towel, and there's 24 dirty feet sitting there. Well, 24, 25, 26, you're counting Jesus. 26 dirty feet sitting there. So we go from wondering now to wrestling. They're lobbying for position. Lobbying for who's going to get the basin. Lobbying for who's going to get the towel and the water and who's going to wash the feet. But I'll tell you what, I know how to wrestle. Basketball's got a good wrestling team. I wasn't on it, but I see that they're 6-0 and right now, but I know how to wrestle too. I know what it's like to know what to do and not do it. 
to know what I need to do and put it off. I know what it's like for the Lord to say, Lord Jeff, don't you think you need to? I don't think so. Jeff, don't you feel like I'm calling you into this? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Well, don't you think that if I wasn't asking you this, I wasn't kind of really not asking you, Jeff. It's not a rhetorical question. I'm kind of telling you that this is the way that you need to go. And I grab a hold of him. And he grabs a hold of him. It's like Jacob did. And I ain't letting go until he blessed me. But I'm not willing to let go and go do what it takes to be blessed. I just want him to do it for me. I want him to hand me the blessing. Give me. I want him to, to give me the calling and, and not do the legwork. Give me the blessing and not be a blessing. I want him to give me the gifting. I don't want to have to do anything to help it. I want him to, I don't want to say do the washing because I don't think any of them expected him to get up and do it. But I'd like to have my feet washed. If I was going to be honest in the service of this time setting right here, I wouldn't mind having my feet washed. I just really don't want to wash yours. <laughs> I can wrestle with it I sure can so while I'm waiting on someone else to wash feet you know what he's not waiting on me <laughs> he's the Lord of all he ain't waiting on me he gets up and he lays aside his garment Seamless garment. They cast in lots for this thing in a couple of days. Priceless. Don't rip it. Don't touch it. Things nice. He throws it like an old jacket layer. He just throws it in the floor. Means nothing compared to you. Takes a towel. That's what he. You know what? I love it. He took a towel. I didn't get the picture. I ain't go that far. He took the basin. He took the water. took his hands and he took my feet and he took all the discomforts that my journey so far has brought me and he took all the mess and the mud and the muck and the mire mud and muck and mire of, of, of the last couple of days of the last couple of weeks all the filth and he cleansed me from where I've been so that I'm ready for where we're going. Yeah. You tell him in a minute, he'll say, where I'm going, you can't follow me today, but you're coming. Like I told Grace on Wednesday night, but you ain't coming in here with boots look like that. <laughs> After he said, he cleaned their feet. I sure do love it. Took my feet to his hands. The hands that created universes, prepared the world from the foundation to prepare me for where I'm going. The Bible says precious are your feet because they take a testimony to people who need to be an instant in and out of season. For the hope that's in you. And you know what? That verse sounds good. We quote that verse. But you know what that means? That means that you've been through some things to have enough hope in you to be instant in and out of season 
That means you're experienced in some things. He cleansed me from where I've been to prepare me where I'm going. And here I've been expecting it from others. I've been expecting others to teach me and show me and cleanse me and keep me. I shouldn't put that weight on you. You shouldn't put that weight on others. Tell you another thing you shouldn't do. You shouldn't so look so hard for your calling. And you should listen carefully. Because I'm going to tell you, I called my thing every, I called myself everything but a pastor. When I was looking for my calling, I called myself everything but what he called me to. Oh no, I'm this, Lord. Oh no, I, I'm going to. Pay attention to what he's doing. Verse 5, and he poured the water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was girded. He gave all of himself, laid it aside, and he girded and washed. You know, I can wrestle with him or I can just get it right. I can wrestle with, with, with wondering if, if something happened to me today, where would I end up? Or I can make it right. I can wrestle with what the Lord's called me to do. Or I can get it right. I can wrestle with bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. Or I can get it right. I can look at an enemy sitting in a room, not this room, just saying, like Jesus did, and I can refuse to get up and go, but unlike Jesus did, or I can get up, wash his feet too. I'm not turning a blind eye. I'm not saying you forget this stuff. Grace don't forget. It grows you. But it also forgives. Jesus saw what he done. Jesus could see what Judas was doing. As he who one whom betrayed him. But much like Jesus, you got to be able to see past it. He's got to get here no matter what. I'm cleaning your feet today, so you got to get so you can get here. And I want you to have the same mindset that Jesus has, no matter what. No matter what. And there's a waiting period. Peter had waited for someone else, something else, somehow else, anybody but him. And then when Jesus comes to him in verse 7, he says, or 6, then come and hit him to Simon Peter, and Peter says, You ain't washing my feet. Peter said, You ain't washing my feet. A lot of times we'd say that about Judas. I ain't washing his feet. After what he's done. But Peter says, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Unlike the rest of them, Peter said, You're not doing it. Not me, Lord. Can't let you do that, Lord. Almost the same thing I was saying. I'm not called to, aren't you, Pastor? Can't let you do that, Lord. Aren't you called to this? <laughs> no, sir. Can't let you do that in my life, Lord. Can't let you move that way in my life, Lord. Can't let you do that. 
And you know what? One of the greatest verses I see right here in verse 7. What I do is now, Peter, you don't know. You don't know what I'm doing in your life, Peter. <clears throat> Not now, Lord, oh yeah, but you don't understand, Jeff. You don't know what I'm doing in your life. You don't know what all I have. I hasn't seen or ear heard the things that I have in store and have prepared for you. How can you say no when you've not seen the big picture? How can you say, don't do it to me, Lord, when you, when you don't know how it fulfills you? How can you say not wash my feet, Lord? When the process of faith says we don't walk by sight, we walk by, we walk by faith. That faith tells me that if I close my eyes and take another step, I'm either free-floating or I'm going to hit something solid. That's what faith says. And what is faith that is sight? It's not faith. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, reached for, longed for, followed after, walked after. Faith is saying, as Peter, not my feet only, Lord. We'll get to that in just a minute. So he says, what I do now, Peter, you don't know. Anybody ever felt like that? Well, what are you doing? How could you let this happen? How did we find ourselves here? Why are we going through this? Why so young? Why now? Why this way? Why did we lose them? And he says, you know what? There's some things in your life that you don't understand right now. That's scripture. Now he says you can ask him. He freely gives you the answers. That's in the book of James. This also comes straight out of Jesus' mouth. Verse 7. But you'll know in a little while. I don't know how you're going to do it now. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this now. I don't know where we're going from here, Lord. But I'll know in a little bit. I'll know soon. And this also tells me too that everything we go through isn't the enemy. Sometimes it's the Lord. Most times, if you're a Christian, it's always the Lord. Everything we go through isn't the enemy. The enemy's there, but he's not in control of my life. He's not, look in this passage right here. The enemy's not touching me. He's not talking to me. He's not speaking to me. Jesus is. Jesus is. So while we're waiting on the Lord to do something great in our life, sit down, Peter. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash your feet. We've all been through some things in our life that don't make sense. And sometimes we saw God's mighty hand Take us through those things. Can I get a witness that God has moved in some mighty ways in our life? Amen. He has in mine. And he's washed and he's cleansed some places in my life that were absolutely filthy. And he's done some things in my life that I didn't understand, but he's brought me through those things. And what I've come to know and I've come to realize uh, that you know why you're going through some things and you don't know the answers and you don't know why you're going through them. It's because he's still got his feet in, the, in his hands. Because once he gets through washing Peter's feet, he said, then you'll know why you went through this. 
But until he lets go of that foot, he's preparing you for the next step. So if you're going through some things in your life right now that you don't understand and you're questioning God and you want to know what he's doing, you know what? There's a chance that he's got his, your foot in his hand and he's getting you ready for it. He's getting you prepared for that. He still got you in his hands. What I do now, he says, you know not. But when I get done, you'll know. And Peter says, well, will you do all of me that way? And the Lord says, you're already called. If you're a Christian, you're already called, chosen, accepted, set apart, sanctified. You're being worked on. You're being wheeled. You're in the potter's hand. He said, you're already clean, Peter. They're just, but he will tell you this. He also tells Peter this, but there's some parts of you. There's some parts of you that I really need to hone in on and work on. I don't hold it against you. It's not held against you. For he takes away the sins of the world. But sometimes you need to be cleaned by some washing, the washing of the water. Peter says, wash all of it. Wash all. There's three that bear witness. In the, there's just something about being cleansed. We come back from Dothan yesterday. First thing I did was got in the shower. I just felt better. Just something about being cleansed by the washing of water of the word. Baptism is a, is a representation, but the Lord has a way of touching you in some dirty places and just cleaning you up and making you feel so much better. All of you, he says. All of me means all of me, he says. All of me, Lord, Peter says. He reiterates. All of me. So in closing, I would say this. that There's a wandering and a wanting and a washing. But there's also an expectation here. Jesus says in 7, What I do now you don't know, but you'll know hereafter. Peter says unto him, you won't wash my feet. And Jesus said, If I wash thee not, you don't have any part of me. And Simon said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needed not to be saved. Uh, wash only his feet, for he's clean everywhere else. You're already clean. You're already a Christian. But not all of you. But the ones that are Christian, you don't have to be born again and again and again and again. You just need to be cleansed in some areas. Because the Lord knew who would betray him, verse 11 and verse 12. So after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garment and he was set down again. He said, know you what I've done to you. You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for us, so I am. If I then am your Lord and your master and have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. So there's an expectation there that Jesus wants you to know. Jesus wants you to know that he didn't wash your feet because you wouldn't. He washed your feet so that you would. He washed your feet so that you would. He wasn't sitting there holding your breath, kicking and screaming, saying, I'm not going to do it. He didn't do it that way. He washed your feet so that you would wash someone else's feet. He gave you grace so that you would show someone else grace. He forgave you so that you would forgive others. He loved you so that you could love others. He so loved you that you should so love him and that you could love others. He didn't wash your feet because you wouldn't or couldn't. He did it so that you could and would. That's what he did. What about Judas the betrayer? What about him? Why did you wash his feet? Same reason he washed yours. For all have sinned and come short 
All have betrayed the Creator. All have went their own way. And if He can't wash Judas' feet, He can't wash none of them's feet. Grace doesn't make you forget. It allows you to forgive and see past it. And He also gives us, the Bible says in verse 15, He said, I give you an example. I want you to listen carefully to what the Lord says. In verse 8, If I wash you not, you don't have any part of me. Verse 14, But if then your Lord and Master has washed your feet, wash another's feet. And I tell you this, this is a great profound truth that the Lord showed me. If He can't do it to you, He can't do it through you. If you won't let Him be Lord of your life, He can't work through you. If He can't show you how to get over grief, He can't help you. can't help others get over grief. He says, Peter, you don't understand. If I can't do this through you, church family, how or to you, how can He do it through you? How can you go outside of these doors and be effective in the ministry if you're not experienced in the ministry? He's not an evil monster tyrant that says, I'm just stricken and he's not mean to us. He's equipping us for the work of ministry. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation that we can come out of this. Reconciliation means you're bringing through things back together in a right standing. I'm not saying you offer uh, that you have to be this to do this. I'm saying that we are ministers of reconciliation and the right standing and relationship that we're bringing together is man and his God. And he's equipping us. He says, Peter, if I can't do it to you, I can't do it through you. So you can help others. And the next one is to ensure that you never find yourself putting yourself above others or your Lord. Jesus didn't, climb, didn't die for principles and ordinances and order of services. Jesus died for people. That's what he died for. That's what he came for. And he says, Peter, I've given you an example. Verse 15. An example is verse 13. Listen to what he says. Or 13, yeah. You call me Master and Lord, you should. Because I am. And if I'm the Lord and Master and have washed your feet, wash others' feet. He said, but I've given you more than that. I've given you an example that you can do this to other people. And verily, verily, listen here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And it's the saying of the day. The Lord says, haven't you, haven't you heard? The servant is not greater than the Lord. When you get a job, you're not greater than your supervisor. You're not greater than your, and the supervisor is not greater than the CEO. He says, hasn't you heard that? He said, but we're going to take this a step farther because you know what? You're not a servant. And you're not a slave. He says this, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. Translation, neither is the son greater than the father. You're not a slave and you're not a servant. He says, haven't you heard that the servant is not greater than the Lord? Yes. Well, then you should also know that the sons and daughters are not greater than the father. And if the father says, go and do likewise, then go and do likewise. We're sons and daughters. We're not servants and slaves. We're not servants and slaves. He is a Lord and a Master, absolutely. Is He my Father, Father, that we have a spirit that can cry out, Father? 
He is more than a father. He's the father to the fatherless. And Brother Chris, Marie, come. Where are you at today? There's a story I, I read online uh, this week, and it says that there was a woman, and some of you may have read it, but it goes with this. There was a woman stranded on the side of the road. She had a flat tire. She was helpless, hopeless, stranded, couldn't feel, and this is a short, very short version, and he, she couldn't fix her tire. So a man pulls over, and he jacks the car up, takes the tire out, uh, and we can go ahead as we stand. He uh, takes the tire out, jacks the car up, takes the tire off, fixes the tire. She's sitting in the car. She's getting her funds together, trying to figure out what to do. And she gets him a $100 bill. And as he puts everything in a trunk, gets ready to go, he walks up, knocks on the window, and he says, Ma'am, you're ready to go. And she said, Well, how can I pay you? How much I owe you? And he said, You don't owe me anything. He said, My name's Brian Anderson. And uh, just remember that the Lord had called me to help you. And you go and you share that kindness. It's the pay it forward type mindset. He says, You go, you go and you pay it forward and you do that. So she says, oh, I don't know how I could ever thank you. And he said, You've already thanked me by allowing me to help you. You just do, be, go and do likewise. So she gets in the car. She drives off. He goes his own certain way. And down the road, she stops at a diner. Uh, she's famine, hasn't eaten. She goes in there and she eats. And the waitress that comes to the table, she's nine months pregnant, about to pop, just and 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 everything. And so she takes her order, talks to the lady. She feeds the lady, thinks, you know what? I'm going to pay it forward. So she takes a napkin, she puts four hundred dollars under it, and she puts a hundred dollars under the the receipt. And she tells the man, woman, thank you so much for being so kind. And the lady picks up their Receipt. She said, oh, well, let me get you change. She said, no, just keep it. It's for you, for you and your family. She goes to clean the table off and finds $400 bills under the napkin. And, and so she thinks, oh, my goodness, what, what, we've been thinking about this, been wondering how we was going to go through this. How was we going to do this? And how was we going to get there this week? And, and, and the napkin said, pay it forward. Keep going. Keep this thing going. And she goes home that night, and, and she comes home from work that night and she goes home and she tiptoes into the bedroom and, and she looks at her husband in the bed and her baby in the crib and her belly poking out and she's tired and her feet are hurting and she knows he's worried all day, worked all day, wondered all day. How is he going to support? How is he going to do this for his family? And she uh, cleans herself up and gets herself ready for bed. She lays down in the bed and she thanks the Lord. Thank you for blessing us today. And thank you for blessing me with this family. And she rolls over and quietly kisses her husband on the forehead and says, I sure do love you, Brian. <laughs> and lays back down. If he can't do it to you, how can he do it through you?